Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 490 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. And as always, I'm joined with Joe, my co-host. How are we doing today, Joe? Oh, boy. I know. That's the second best opening I've ever done. Mm. I was going to say, I hoped that no one hears me like when I do the, you know, when we do the pause. So we know to cut from where we were talking before we started recording to when we're starting recording. I type little time codes for myself. Right. You know, like later in the show, I have to type a time code for myself and I need that like couple seconds of silence. And I'm always worried that the couple seconds of silence coupled with me clack, clack, clack into the keyboard isn't going to give me the couple seconds of silence I need. Don't worry. Me fumbling and bumbling. Fix that. Mm -hmm. I know we've only been doing this for seven years, eight years. Don't please don't. That makes me feel old, man. Okay. Everything makes me feel old, Todd. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, there's not a single aspect of my life that does not make me feel old. That's right. In the immortal words of Al Bundy, every morning I wake up and I know it's not getting any better till I go back to sleep. And even then. True. What dreams may come. And mostly I dream of comics. And what com- do we have on the show, speaking of which? Oh, in news, we have Generation 1 whatever that is. And it's not anything to do with transformers, easy transformers fans. Also what, uh, five G is really going to be called. Also Joe's latest crusade, uh, outing late books and further delays and a return of the most beloved segment in our show's history, the Rob watch. And in a monumental turn of events, it crosses over with another segment grading on you it's crazy this week just so crazy um also we have uh con news free digital books and sales what we read last week which was both immortal hulk uh uh, what number was it i got confused here uh 31 and thor number three what we're looking forward to this week i have some art attacks i think at the end of the show we also have spoiler filled talk of flash legends of tomorrow and I'm going to guess Doctor Who if someone watched it. Did we watch it, Joe? Well, spoiler-filled discussion discussion of what shows I actually watched this week. How <sighs> about that? Okay. I'll leave it as a spoiler for the end of the show. Okay, because I don't know. I, I'm, I'm up in the air with all the fans right now. Right. So, into the news, uh, a story that we've been covering for, what now, four months? Uh, in regards to the Generation G5 stuff that DC is doing. Mm-hmm. So we're getting closer, as we discussed last week, their free comic book day book is going to be something out of this. And now there are books being solicited for the month of May as the May solicitations are rolling out. Uh, Age of Mysteries, Age of Metahuman, Age of Crisis, Age of Rebirth, and then Age of Tomorrow. Uh, Generation 5 being the Age of Tomorrow, now being the official title for what we've been calling 5G these low last four months. Mm-hmm. And 
it is still a little unclear as to what's going to happen, but the concern that we had of maybe it was going to be like a side thing while the rest of the DC universe continues on, it certainly feels as though this is going to be DC's branding to youthify their characters. Yep, the kids love youths. Well, the kids themselves are youths themselves, so... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and obviously with all these books, um, no direct creative teams for handling one thing over the other. Um, but, you know, Bendis and Dan Jurgens and uh, Venditti, Joshua Williams, Doug Monkey, Brian Hitch, uh, Ivan Hayes, amongst others, are all involved with all of these books building up to this. And, you know, they're they're talking about, like, you know, Golden Age heroes and... Um, wild cards that have been instrumental in fashioning the DC's push to the future. All this sort of jazz. So, has any of this stuff, any sort of, uh, not even clarity, but just uh, any more information? Has this satiated you? Has this made you more leery? What What are you feeling on this? The actual weirdest thing is that I'm feeling is, as now I'm we're finding out that it's going to be, you know, different... G's or whatever. So I also feel like, I, in a weird way, the biggest thing that I'm worried about is I have to relearn the DC history of the universe, like for the 19th time. Um, and that's really what bothered me because it's like I had this down, you know what I mean, a couple of times. And I'm, as we joked at the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm getting too old to remember new continuities each time. And that's really kind of like the the biggest thing that's that's bothering me i'm not i'm not worried about like the youth yet or the book because i need creative teams i need like distinct books and i'll decide what i'm doing but just looking at all this that's the only thing that makes me think is this man we're here again you know what i mean so i i i need to do a little bit more due diligence on this sort of stuff and maybe i will for next week depending on how much more information comes out i don't mm-hmm. think we're going to get any sort of real news on this until c2e2 uh in two weeks right probably or it'll probably drop in a magazine be, like four it'll, days it'll before be or something it'll have the exclusive on it like the thursday before c2e2 yep that's the way i think it's going to roll out but go ahead or Collider, or Rolling Stone, or whatever Warner publication it's going to be in, right? Exactly. So I know we've talked about this on the show, but I feel as though it always bears repeating. And they haven't done so yet, because we don't know that they're going to, like, wipe out what we've known about the heroes before, but this is just more or less from the looks of this, and the feel of this, and what has been rumored about this for the past four months is, you know, the Superman, the Batman, the Green Lantern, the Flash, etc., that we know in the books are now going to be, you know, the younger versions. And who those younger versions are is still up for debate. You know, Lucius Fox, of course. I see younger Captain Cold is somehow involved in all of this. Jonathan Kent is clearly going to be Superman. Like, that's the only one that I feel is 100% clear of that's going to be the Superman in these books going forward. I think the Fox is probably going to be the Batman. You, you know what I'm I mean? Not, like I'm nine, like I'm 90% sure on that. Right. But the, I don't even know who captain Cold jr. Is. Yeah. Like I'm reading flash. There's no captain Cold jr. I don't know. Maybe there's a captain Cold jr. In one of the 
like I don't know Snyder books that I'm reading and I'm missing, or like Justice League and that villain stuff that they're doing. Right, right. Because if to me, if it was going to be a person who was going to be Flash and it was going to be a rogues kid, they yeah. should get uh, Captain Boomerang's kid. Remember that? Because he had bursts of super speed. So I don't know. Like, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, that's, I'm so confused on what's going to be because they changed stuff. And now, like, from what I get from the Wonder Woman books is, uh, which I'm not reading, I just, like, you know, heard from the solicits is that she was the first hero now. And that right. was in Doomsday Clock. So I got, that's kind of the stuff I mean. I don't know. But that's something that they kind of been toying with for a little bit now regarding Wonder Woman being like the start of the golden age of heroes, Mm -hmm. um, inspiring the JSA and Superman coming from that and then Batman coming from golden age Green Arrow and, you know, or Green Lantern rather. Mm -hmm. So where I was going with this is I I, I had a conversation uh, with other non uh, comic book more like, you know, they're more wrestling than comic books, but, you know, we're all into all the same crap. So we were discussing about DC, like, why can't DC get its act together? And, you know, as I mentioned, we talked about it here on the show before, but DC has been trying to chase the feel and the magnitude or whatever of 1986 Crisis on Infinite Earth since 1986. Yep. And they've just been trying to catch that lightning in a bottle over and over and over and over again. And every time they do, it's a little less lightning that they're catching. I agree. And, you know, I don't know whether you want to have that be a Shazam metaphor, you whether you want to have that be a Sonichu, the electric Pokemon, uh, hedgehog Pokemon metaphor, whatever you want it to be, I, I really think this is just another attempt at DC trying to do that and capture a younger audience and, and, and. And I'm sure you've noticed, Todd, in DC books over the last month, most of the ads, if not all of the ads, have been pushing their young adult novels. Mm-hmm. So why not do that over there, see how that works, and then do 5G? As opposed to do that, hope it works... And then, in the hopes to bolster that, because obviously the idea is, you push the young adult novels, younger people are reading these characters, they say, I want to read more about these characters, well, there's not another book coming out by this author and this character, but you can look at this character who looks just like this character that you read in your book in these comic books. Right, because books take a while to publish, comics can go monthly. Right. I get you. It, it, it it's an idea, and I, I feel as though I'm still more hopeful on this than you or our comic book retailer, who is the real test of these sort of things. You know, he's the one ordering the books. He's the one who's talking to more people than just me, you know? Mm-hmm. See, and that's the thing, and that's why I tend to look down on it, is because word of mouth is bad, and, inle- and unless it's extraordinary... Word of mouth is always going to win. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it could, like, you could have, you know, the anatomy lesson, like, good. And then you're like, all right, it's going to work. But you have anything less and word of mouth, ki- like, kills, you know? Like, I'm not trying it. I don't want to do it. I don't like the idea. 
And that's the, the thing to me that's going to, that's going to, you know, hamstring this, if, if anything. And like things that, that I hear, like the reason DC is like this, like you say, the diminishing returns of crisis is that, you know, I've talked to a few creators that I've gotten to know at cons and stuff like this. Um, and all of them say like Dan Didio has like ADD. Like, it's like, we're doing this project. We're hitting this. We're doing this. And then boom, like we're on to the next thing. And it's like nothing ever, ever sticks. And I even hear rumors of we would, cause it's whatever anniversary of the 35th, I guess, maybe of crisis on infinite earth this year that we were going to get another crisis, but because of the TV show that they're putting it off for, uh, we're going to get a crisis in a year, a year and a half, like another big crossover event. That's going to be crisis in the books, but they don't want to have it, uh, at the same time that the TV show is going on. So I'm with you. Like, it just seems like they just, they, they're living in the past. Uh, and when they come to the future, they just, they just do it wrong. I, I don't know. Right. So the comic book, the storyline came out in April of 85. Right. So we would be, you know, we're right at that 35 year mark would have right. been this year. Mm-hmm. So. Again, you know, it ended in 86, and 86 is when all the new books and everything rolled out, and, you know, they got a lot of good stuff out of that. That was the last time they hit on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, literally, like, we, I talk, that's the heyday. Like, people want to talk about the Silver Age. Like, go back and read some of that DC Silver Age. Like, it's unreadable. Like, we always joke, it's like hamburger eating Superman. And then over here, it's like Silver Surfer. Like, my whole world was destroyed. Like, and now I have to go kill, like, whole planets because, you know, Galactus makes me. It's like two different worlds. And then it flopped in 86 after Crisis. And then, like you said, they're just like, oh, let's do another one. Let's, let's constantly fix our timeline and i feel like that's what 5g is again we need to figure out the timeline and it's like no if you just kept it it's a sliding scale like we always say marvel has been doing it forever it's a little wonky in certain spots a la magneto and the fantastic four but otherwise pretty much works well Mm -hmm. so and, you know, you mentioned it, of course, 1986 was DC height of their powers. Yes. Um, creatively. And, you know, arguably sales. They would probably have better sales years, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But we joke about it during, like, the digital sales section, but there's a reason why DC continually pumps out every edition that they possibly can of Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, Watchmen. That stuff that came out in 1986, that's when DC would uh, uh, even, you know, arguably the John Byrne Man of Steel Superman stuff. Right. You know? And even, even if you go to a lesser extent, I know I'm a, I'm a homer for it. Justice League International, uh, Ostrander Suicide Squad, which was the route they went with the Suicide Squad movie, kind of. Like, I can go down the list of classic books that, mm-hmm. you know, were were different or ahead of their time in 1986. Right, and obviously you'll say this, like, oh, well, you know, I didn't read those books then, and I didn't read those like Todd did. I didn't. I didn't really start getting heavy into comic book collection collecting until 1989. I was only tangentially, because I'm a little bit younger than Todd, and I was, mm-hmm. you know, going by my paper route money, and then, you know, other jobs that I would get. But that stuff that I went back and read, 
you know, and that's stuff that people 35 years on go back and read. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have an affinity for stuff like Zero Hour and Hyper Time and Kingdom Come that were more in my formative years of reading comic books. But not as many people go back and read those. DC doesn't push those as as far to the forefront as they do those 1986 books. And you mentioned Justice League International. Of course, I feel the same way. You're the one who got me into that. And I got no problem saying this. You know, if Jeff Johns didn't hate that era of Justice League, that would be pushed and collected as much, you know, yep. as Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, all that other stuff. Right. Though I do have to disagree with you slightly on, I think DC does do a good job of pushing Kingdom Come. Like, not as well as Year One and, and Dark Knight Return. Like, that's an upper echelon. Mm-hmm. There's you know a gap, I mean? though. There is a gap. But Kingdom Come is one of their elite books that they, when they, like, put stuff out, they're like, hey, it's, you know, here's another, you know, like, version of Kingdom Come. But that's the only one. Like, the other couple that you mentioned, I'm like, eh, no, not so much. Zero hour. Like, they put out an omnibus, nobody cared. Right. So, uh, just, you know, moving along, you mentioned omnibuses. No change of the omnibuses today. But we do have to mention, of course, as it is our duty, and my hour, I mean mine, um, the check did not clear. (laughs) So I do have to remind and let everyone know that the last two issues of the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man book have been pushed back yet again. <laughs> uh, issue three came out on December 18th after being late. Uh, issue four is now scheduled to be out the first week of April. Or, I'm sorry, uh, first week of April, and issue five is now scheduled for the last week of May. Right. Uh, those dates have been updated on Diamond's website as well. So we shall see. I'm still betting on those books never coming out ever. What? Yes. I I think they will. I'm glad you think they will. I'm glad they think they will. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but DC, of course, is saying, hey, you've got one big high-profile book. We've got several big high-profile books that we're late on. Some of them, you know, a <laughs> couple weeks here and there, no big deal. Um, you know, like Legion 5 has slipped a week, which is nothing really. Um, the Batman Rayshaw Ghoul book, which I, you know, there's a lot of Batman stuff. There's a lot of Spider-Man stuff out there. Even as someone who does a comic book podcast, it's tough to keep track of <laughs> everything that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And when it's coming out, uh, that has slipped a couple weeks as well. Uh, something that we, Todd and I, are following, which is <laughs> Inferior 5. Uh, has slipped yet again to the end of March. Issue 5, issue 6 is now two weeks after that. (sighs) I feel as though this one will finish. It was (laughs) not in the May... The trade was not in the May solicitations. That's right. Uh, This one's going to limp across the finish line, Joe? uh, It's it's limping to get to the middle of the finish line, let alone get to the finish line. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and one that I have to mention that we've kind of been discussing that's been shut, shuffled around, which is the Brian Azzarello Birds of Prey book. Right. So this was supposed to be the Birds of Prey ongoing book. Then it got replaced to be like a Birds of Prey miniseries that was going to be coming out around the same time as the Harley Quinn book. Mm-hmm. 
And as we discussed last week regarding confusion in the marketplace regarding the Birds of Prey movie, you know, being retitled the Harley Quinn movie, um, it has now been consolidated from a miniseries to a prestige one shot that is now late again. Yep. Um, it was originally supposed to be out uh, as an as a as an ongoing series in October, then became a black label miniseries for February, and now a one shot that is now pushed back to the beginning of April. I don't know what I maybe there's something in there that they didn't like that Brian Azzarello wrote because they've been watching him closely since he's been writing a few things. Uh, and drawing, and well, that was a, the artist doing a couple of things in uh, Batman Dam. So I don't know, maybe, I can't even imagine why th- this is getting pushed back, because you figure it'd be a no-brainer to come out with the movie. So mm-hmm. I'm completely lost on this one, Joe. I don't have it at my immediate fingertips, but I've been uh, doing a more diligent job of signing up for different creators' email lists. Mm-hmm. Just uh, to see things. Just to see things. And like I said, I don't have it at my fingertips, but I know not uh, the last one that came out maybe about a month or so ago. I'm sure one will be coming out probably after we're done recording of Brian Azzarello making some snippy remarks <laughs> in regards to the way that this book was being handled at DC. Never. And, you know, when it comes to uh, reporting, whether it be in the world of sports and or entertainment or in the world of comic books, I just want to say you could work hard or you could work smart. You could work hard, like Todd has done for this next story, or you could work smart and just subscribe to every eccentric creator's emailing list, and they will do your work for you. And how. And how. So, speaking of the hard work that Todd did this past week, not only is it time for grading on you, it is time for... Ask not for whom the Rob Troll. The Rob Trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. That's right. The Rob Watch has returned and has crossed over with grading on you. That's right. Collision course, Joe. <laughs> so, Todd, you, I'm going to let you take point on this one since this was your story that you discovered. And listen, the Rob has been busy this week. Yes, he has. He has uh- been busy. But somehow, of all of his talking about China banning Deadpool and comparing the outfits that Harley Quinn wears in the movie to something that Ronald McDonald would wear, this is what appeals to us. Right. Um, So basically, remember those uh, CGC labels that we talked about on the show a while back, where there's going to be like Wolverine ones, Deadpool ones, Venom ones. Um, He ended up tweeting. He's like, and like quote tweeted the CGC thing. He's like, please be aware. I will not be signing any of these Deadpool labels. Thanks. And people were like, oh, no, like, well, why? Because they didn't use your art. And he's just like, he's like, just so you know, I'll never be signing these ever and then they're like, oh, man, just because it, it's Scotty Young art used on the on the Deadpool. And they're like, well, you won't be you won't even know because their signature series they'll do and you'll sign it first. And then we'll go off and get the label. He's like, nope. 
He's like, uh, CGC honors the requests of creators, and they'll tell us that it's going to be a signature series, and that's gonna, it's going to get that label, and I won't sign it, which I do believe because, boy, these creators are cash cows, and they don't want to tick any of them off. And then people were like, oh, well, you're not going to sign them ever. He's like, yeah, because I'm not... I'm not doing any cons in 2020. I'm taking the year off, which is fine. That's his prerogative. But they were saying, like, but you said ever, like, ever. You're never going to sign them again. And that's that's not just 2020. He's like, well, boy, wait until I don't stop or I stop signing things all together at cons, which is not in the, too far in the distant future. And by the way, here's my store for uh, signed books you can go to and buy. And I'm like, Oh my God. And this blew up because people were going back and forth and, you know, yelling at him and stuff like that. And then he's just like, you know what? There's too much drama in my timeline. So I feel I'm going to make my account private in the near future. And I'm like, wow. Like Rob was just like the Tasmanian devil today. Or the well, other that's the thing, happen? Todd. This was this past Thursday that this particular instance of the Rob went down, right? Right. I meant that day, but go ahead. So I have several things to discuss regarding this. Okay? Right. I think I covered it pretty well, though. Is there anything I missed? No, yeah, yeah that, that that's pretty succinct in regards to Rob's uh, uh, feelings on these, right? Okay, right. So, who would have thought of all things that this was the thing that was going to set Rob off on a Thursday afternoon, right? <laughs> right. This is the hill he's going to die on. Right, like, no one, like, snitch-tagged him in this. Mm-hmm. He just decided of his own volition, I'm going to let the world know I'm never signing these. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then says ever. Mm, I don't know, well, I, I think there might be a day where Rob comes around on these sort of things, okay? Right. And uh, somebody did ask Rob, uh, what do these li- labels mean or represent? And he says, whatever they are, they are not in any way essential, okay? Mm-hmm. He also says that he's ta- I have no appearances for 2020. I'm off the circuit. Okay. I'm going to revisit that tweet in December 31st, 2020, to see if Rob has done any conventions between now and then. I know he's off for five months. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's disc- been on the circuit for five months, which I think might be wrong. I think he's popped up a few places in the last five months, because five months would put us in September. I know he for sure was at New York. And again, I, I think we joke and say Doctor Who wibbly wobbly time be wine be. I think Rob Lightfield is living the time being relative lifestyle. <laughs> Full disclosure, he did have a couple of tweets that I'm going to go with. He said, I'm taking time off from the circuit, but uh, I, you may see me at Comic Cons. I'm going as fan. So if, uh, he sh- okay. so if he shows up, you know, he gets a pass and he goes and he, and he sits. So I'm just going to say is if he does any signings at shows, you know what I mean? Cause he might oh. push a book or he might go and hang out with some friends, which I know whole creators who borrow passes and they go um, like, I can think of one. Mike McCone is one. He's like, I don't do shows much anymore. I don't sign. I don't, I, I some New York. He won't do. He's mm-hmm. like, I'll do Baltimore. I'll do other ones. Cause but when it comes to New York, I get a, a pass from a friend and I go hang out with my friends. So that's one of those that it's going to be a case by case basis. Cause I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that. That that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But, and I also want to say he, he mentions, uh, in in that particular tweet storm, I'm going to be re- re- I'm going to be moving to a protected account here shortly. 
mm-hmm. limit some of the chaos on this platform. Mm-hmm. Two things about that one. One, this one in particular is chaos he created out of whole cloth. Right. And put out into the ether. Like, nobody contacted Rob of saying, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, are you going to be signing these? Whatever. And that was a tweet on February 13th. As of this recording, it's five days later. His account is still not protected. Remember when he was leaving Twitter forever? I do. I do. Okay. So this is going to be a way that we can keep the Rob watch in the news by me going back and checking to see if he has uh, protected (laughs) his account. This is like back when we were going to do my art watch, but it's different now. Right. Hopefully nothing will happen like last time that'll throw that off, of course. That's right. Eat eat your uh, five servings of vegetables and fruit a day there, uh, Todd. (laughs) I will. Okay, uh, so that's what we got in the news, and also, of course, there's something else that we recommend, uh, we, we check on a regular basis, which is conventions, of course, and there's a bunch of conventions going on this weekend, and of course, if the Rob's name shows up, I will be, uh, uh, reaching out to him to see if he's just going as a fan, even though he's being advertised on the website as appearing, <laughs> as opposed to appearing. Uh, well, maybe he's just, like, gonna appear on stage, wave, and leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got, uh, like I said, a bunch of com- uh, comic book conventions this weekend. There's the Miami Con in Miami, Florida. G- uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are going to be there. Maybe ask them about their thoughts on the Rob's uh, many, many Twitter tirades over the last seven days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great Lakes Comic Con in Warren, Michigan. Uh, I would almost say the biggest, but we got three very distinct other cons to discuss as well. Uh, Daryl Banks, William Messner Loeb's, Jim Steranko, uh, Jim Starlin, Tom DeFalco, Kyle Starks are going to be at this one, uh, as well as uh, media guest that uh, appeals to me, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, is he going to have his uh, iguana there? I hope so. He should travel, not unlike he should sell uh, at uh, appearances. Hacksaw Jim Duggan sells like little tiny miniature two by fours. Mm hmm. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat should sell, like, little plastic lizards and, like, do, like, a ridiculous markup on them and mm-hmm. say, like, oh, it's just like the lizard I carried to the ring for a month and a half in 1986. Uh, yes, like a, I think he should do, like, a carpet steamer shaped like a dragon. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamer. <laughs> and, Todd, it's mid-February 2020. Where would you like to go? Would you like to go to Amazing Con Aloha in Hawaii? Mm, a lot of volcanoes. Go ahead. Because uh, Donnie Cates is going to be there. Jim Chung is going to be there. Philip Tan, Freddie Williams, Billy D. Williams. Big convention happening in Hawaii. Or maybe, Todd, you're more like Mike McCone and Ben Templesmith. Mm. And you want to make the trip in February to Alaska Comic Con. Oh, and fight the 30 days and nights of vampires. Or, Todd, this one I think is probably more up your alley. Maybe let's go international and let's go to Comic-Con Brussels. (gasps) Is Jean-Claude Van Damme going to be there? No, now this is a a huge uh, gaffe on the organizers of this convention that the muscles from Brussels himself, Jean-Claude Van Damme, is not going to be there. Mm -hmm. But... Christina Ricci is going to be there. Oh, Wednesday Adams. Mm-hmm. 
Paul Megan is going to be there. Is that how you pronounce that? McGann, the eighth doctor. Okay. And Colin Baker is going to be there. Oh, the sixth doctor. No relation to the fourth doctor, Tom Baker. Um, Along with other hangers on and 'er (laughs) ne'er-do-wells from Doctor Who, whatever. It's a regular Doctor Who Mos Eisley. Right. It's it's, when I was looking at the guests, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's very little comic book people here, but as I'm just looking at the list, you know, you got, like, people from, like, Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Rings, whatever. Uh, so I'm going to uh, – here's – like, Alex Kingston, I have an idea of who that is. That's River Song, and uh, she was also – well, you didn't you didn't watch Arrow, but anyway, go ahead. Right. Now, she's way up high on the list, okay? Right, because she married the Doctor. That's That's high, man. Okay. So also, uh, at this convention, Catherine Stewart is going to be there. Catherine Stewart. I don't know who that is. Catherine. C-A-T-R-I-N. Again, I don't know who it is. She's got a big, giant Doctor Who logo on her picture. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Dan Starkey is going to be there. Oh, from Starkey and Hutch. Oh, he looks like some sort of, like, weird thumb-looking thing. Right. A thumb-looking thing. Uh, Nev McIntosh is going to be there. Oh, she looks Nev- like a lizard person. Nev McIntosh, okay. Okay. So, like, you've got like some like low end Doctor Who folks appearing at this thing as well as you said the fifth and sixth Doctors, sixth and eighth Doctors, sixth and eighth Doctor. Okay. And I do also just want to throw out here uh, as we're wrapping up, and all the links to all these conventions, of course, will be in the show notes. But on last week's Gilbert Gottfried podcast, uh, Eric Roberts was on. Not a single <gasps> mention of his time on Doctor Who. Oh, Dan Starkey Strax. Oh, my God. I want to go. Strax. <laughs> I knew you would know it's some dope from Doctor Who. The, oh, my God. They were the sweat. Oh, that it was the like group. Thumb. It looks like a thumb. I had to bring it up. Um, but Strax is the best. Oh, I'm going to send you some Strax clips, Joe. No, thank you. That you can watch. When he goes to get the mind worm and he forgets, is fantastic comedy. I'll take your word for it. You don't want to see a clip with the mind worm? No. Okay. No, I don't. Unless I have to legally. <laughs> I think for the show you might have to. Unless I lose another bet. So. Right. The links to all of these are going to be in the show notes, of course, along with the links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, where all the shows with our like-minded individuals. Now, I've been stumbling upon other folks. When they do their networks, it's like everybody kind of sharing an RSS feed. Mm-hmm. And that just seems to be cumbersome. But who am I to judge? Everybody has their own separate RSS feeds. They're all... C- they're all grouped together over at soonbenamednetwork.com, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where you can hear my scintillating review of the new Sonichu, the Electric uh, Hedgehog Pokemon movie, mm-hmm. uh, amongst other things. We also have Profane Arguments, talking about political stuff. Puzzle Warriors 3, we just had a big shakeup in my personal alliance over at uh, <laughs> Marvel Puzzle Quest. We've got Wednesday Night Wars. We've got Final Wrestling Place. Uh, at odds with wrestling, a lot of wrestling shows on this network, and the uh, newest sensation of the network, Wings on Wings, uh, where our good friends DJ, Michelle, Doug, and Brett talk about episode by episode the TV show Wings 
and eat a different sauce of some kind on wings every week. Mm-hmm. They're getting sauced. They're, I, well, it. it sounds like it sounds. Well, I, listen, I know Brett's not into that sort of thing, but sometimes it does sound like he's getting sauced during the course of the show. But mm-hmm. I think it's just he can't handle the heat of the sauces mm-hmm. that they're using for the chicken wings. Mm, nuclear heat. I sweat listening to them describe the <laughs> heat index of some of the sauces that they've tried. Mm, sassafras. <laughs> Herm sauce it. Herm. <laughs> I'm not going to call back rakes or 10 punches in the corner or standing there on flips or whatever it is. Anywho, uh, that's for the wrestling show this week. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? Did you burn uh, a like or a dislike just now? No, I didn't burn it. How dare you? <laughs> so you only have... Like, you know what the show is about. Well, I did it once, remember? Oh, that's right. You did. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, related, unrelated... <laughs> Uh, Adam told me he may be going on some sort of whirlwind vacation in May. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pencil, don't pen, uh, a, a, a random, uh, Thursday in May for you to uh, take his place. Oh my God. So get to get ready. I hope it's the weekend of like six pay-per-views. Oh. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> oh, has anybody seen Todd? His house smells funny. I'm giving you three months head start on this. All right, I could get I can get my passport in order. Yes. Yeah. So also over in the show notes is the digital sales and freebies, and there is a ton of sales going on. Stuff held over uh, from previous weeks, like the uh, IDW horror and video game sales, uh, the Image Crime sale, but they've also added Image is adding sci-fi stuff to a separate sale that's going until the beginning of March. Uh, Marvel has sales going on on both Black Panther and Wolverine books. DC is having sales on Green Lantern books. Sorry, you'll have to wait till next week to get that discounted price on Batman Year One or Batman Dark Knight Returns. Uh, looking at the rest of the list, Dark Horse is having a sale on Matt Kint-related stuff, and Dynamite is having a sale on Vampirella stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have all the correct links for everything this week. Last week I messed up and I like doubled up one link for the same thing. Joe, Joe get it straight, man. I know I'm a monster. Um, free books, though. Uh, they actually upped this. This threw me off, Todd. The free books were updated Monday. Maybe they hired me and I didn't realize that they hired me to do this job. Maybe they finally got the memo. I don't know. Maybe. The memo of me yelling into the air on this podcast. Mm. Uh, But our free books this week is the first issue of the America Chavez solo book uh, from two, three years ago. The Sword uh, book that was done by Kieran Gillen. That was kind of like there's a little bit of that still going on in uh, Immortal Hulk. Um, you know, with the, the space fair and stuff, like they mm. became Alpha Flight, I think. Right. Uh, the Tom DeFalco miniseries where they fixed the clone saga, my opinion, didn't need fixing, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, something called, uh, Last Planet Standing, also written by Tom DeFalco, which is like some sort of contest of the champions gimmick. Mm-hmm. So those are your free books. The links to those will be in the show notes uh, that accompany this episode wherever you find it. Right. So, Todd, let's get into books that we read from this past week. Where would yeah like to begin? 
I'm going to start with Thor number three by Donnie Cates and art by Nick Klein. Um, as we left it last month, uh, Beta Ray Bill has shown up to uh, do his beef. He has a beef with Galactus and he wants to see what's going on with uh, his new herald, Thor. So he basically goes after Thor to, to get go through Thor to get to Galactus and they end up having a battle. Um, and that's most of this book while they have a, they have a discussion, which is, which is just fantastic. But the gist of it is he thinks Thor has been uh, mind altered or something because he's the herald of Galactus. And he basically, he's basically trying to show me, he's like, no, I'm still the same old Thor, but I'm going to tell you, Ms. Bill, you know, I'm not only my Thor, not only do I have the hammer, not only my, the all father, I have cosmic power. This is not going to end well for you. And in true fashion, like Bill won't stand down and they go at it and maybe it doesn't end so well for Bill. But in this, they also show that in the beginning, they show what it's like to be an immortal kind of, or a God kind of like uh, Thor. And they're like, you know what? If, if you ever wonder why there's a story you never heard of, it's because time works different for immortals and they did he does this whole whole bit where um like he's like where a day is like is like a second and a and a and a, a year is like a minute to a to a god so he might not remember everything that he's ever done because unless it really stood out and all in all like i'm really enjoying this book and i don't think it has missed a beat since jason aaron has left it and as a matter of fact not the early stuff but i think like it kind of sort of petered out at the end it was still great but not as great as it was at the beginning of the jason aaron stuff i'm liking this more than maybe some of the end of the jason aaron run right so the jason aaron stuff of course was good really liked it i get what you're saying because this is new this is different right after seven years you know (laughs) yeah now an argument can be made that this you know these last two issues were thor does a bunch of things has a confrontation with a thing or people and then a surprise person shows up at the end of the book Mm -hmm. that's been done in all three issues right so one could argue that this is a format that donny cates is leaning on a little bit too heavy or you could say it's really cool because each confrontation is different. And I thought the Thor beta Ray bill fight in this was Mm -hmm. one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the Thor comic book ever. I agree. The battle between them and is like the whole, like the, the whole line, like, and we always say like when stuff rhymes is like, uh, through is the only way is a great quote and it pops up like, you know, more than once in, in this fight. And, you know, there's repercussions for, for bill. And I will say this now I'm calling my shot when they make that fourth Thor movie that they're talking about. There's no way beta Ray bill isn't in that movie. Cause like they're, they are laying the groundwork. Like every other book has beta Ray bill in it. And I think they're like, they're like, Hey, remember beta Ray bill and how we, you used to love him. Well, you're going to love him again. And it's setting all the groundwork. When they announce at San or at uh, C two E two in two weeks, mm-hmm. the Beta Ray Bill miniseries and or ongoing, mm-hmm. then you could take that to the money bank. Right. See, I'm thinking he may even get a hammer that looks like the Stormbreaker in the movie. Gotcha. 
in the comics because like that would be the way to go because I think in the movie Thor's going to get his hammer back and they're going to pass Stormbreaker off to him which has always been the way um and it seems like you know in this book they're they're leading the way to 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 Beta Ray Bill getting uh, uh you know that version of the Stormbreaker so that's the way I look at it absolutely feels that way mm-hmm. but this book's really good I agree yep and uh, I'm warming up to the artist a bit. I love the art. Uh, I, I know when we talked about the first issue, I said that if, I, if there was a thing that I had to nitpick or didn't like about it, it was the art, but I'm starting to warm up to it. Right, and one last thing. Like, of the, the stuff, whether or not you like the art, like, he knows how to pay, like to make a battle look good. Like, if you don't like the, 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 the look of the character or the, the anatomy or whatever, you're like, but man, he knows how to, to do action sequences. Like, without a doubt. Yep. So the uh, other book that we both read from this past week was Immortal Hulk number 31. Uh, which is the continuation of the Minotaur and the Hulk going to battle. The Minotaur, of course, more so focusing on slander than anything else. And the Hulk, of course, attempting to fight this front uh, on two forms, I guess. One physically, and then one, of course, trying to take down said media empire. And now the Minotaur has decided to send out... Uh, what would you call that big woolly creature? Zemnu? Zemnu? Right. So again, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but, uh, they're having us believe that this is rewriting. Okay. Maybe I'm taking this the wrong way. And I don't think you are where you're going already, but go ahead. Okay. That this character is being attempted or is imprinted on people that this has always been the Hulk, but a Hulk that we all know and love, not a Hulk that we fear. Yep. He's rewriting. And I don't know how I'm not saying this is what he's doing. This is the gist of what I'm getting from the book is that, uh, Zemnu or Zemnu is like, is rewriting people's memories. And he's like, get into it. Like, remember. And he's like, Hey, remember my, my fun loving cartoon. And even on the Alex Ross cover, there's a Zemnu, uh, thing on a Times square uh tv and it's that old animated x-men font for it yep. and he's even talking about remember the toys you used to play with i'm making stuff up because i don't remember it from from heart but that's the gist of it and it's that whole like if you watch south park the member berries like everything was better before and i was it and i'm not sure if he's trying to replace the hulk or fight the i don't know but the whole gist of what they're doing I find completely fascinating on this and I want to see where it goes. Cause I understand a just enough of, of the idea. Now sell now take me home. I want to see what the premise is. Right. It's, it's intriguing enough not to be confusing and off putting. Right. It gives you just enough to ask questions, but not be like, what was, what was right. going on? You know, it's and- not like uh, issue 25, but anyway, go ahead. And Al Ewing has been doing so much with this book since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of presented to us as, oh, it's the Hulk book, but it's a horror book. And it is, but we're so far away from that. Mm-hmm. But when you go back and you read issue one, we're not that far away. Right. The, the scale has gotten bigger. 
Um, the first couple issues of that were small. It was individual, it was single person stories of the Hulk getting revenge on like one person doing something wrong. And now it's just bigger and bigger and bigger, not unlike the Hulk itself. And it's gotten bigger in some spots and come back down to a more manageable size and gotten bigger again. And again, I, I hope Al Ewing is on this book forever. Or until he wants to stop the way Jason Aaron did. There you go. That too. You know, when his story's done, walk away. That's that's what I hope. Like, you know. Uh, but yeah, Hulk is great. You know, it's in the middle of a storyline. This is another book um, that Marvel sneakily uh, will put out digitally super cheap. Uh, so keep an eye on, like, Marvel sites, Comixology, whatever it is, like, usually on Fridays and or Mondays. Marvel will do a sale on a Monday only, or they'll do a weekend sale. Mm-hmm. And Hulk has shown up way, way, way more often in the last, like, three or four months than I care to remember. But because, you know, it goes up on a Friday and ends Sunday, or it just goes up on Monday, we never talk about it here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... Uh, you don't need to have those first printings. You know, they're nice, but this is something that Marvel is doing a really good job at keeping out there. Um, and I don't even want to say secretly or sneakily their best book. What I want to say is because we take jabs at, you know, com- like the big two, the comic companies. I want to give an attaboy to Marvel because like when you say it's it's not sneakily, it's unmessed with. That's why. Because normally a book this good would have absolute carnage. Like, they would absolute carnage the heck out of this. But they seem to have let it go with a rare, like, you know, all right, we're going to let you use Immortal Hulk in Fantastic Four for two issues. And there's going to be an Immortal Hulk uh, special of absolute carnage. But for the most part, man, they have let one of their best-selling, like, most reputable books just do what they want without tinkering with it. And I'm like, and especially for Marvel, oh, my God, thank you. Like, great. I, there's no other way to put it for me. You know what I mean? Right. So. So, yeah, I'm glad they're doing uh, such a good job with this book. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though we talk about it all the time and tell people to read it. And I hope, you know, even if just one person goes and reads it, you know? Right. That's enough. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, no joke this week. Um, Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Todd and I, as we do every year, attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. If I'm talking too fast, I apologize. I am currently in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. Let's see if things get shooken up, shaken up, or otherwise. No problem about talking fast. You probably did some Spectrox while I was talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking Ico at Pro. You got to want it. Oh. I'm looking over your list. Is the book you're looking forward to most Wander Twins number 12? It is Wander Twins number 12, yes. The end of an era, the end of the little book that could and did. Uh, We talked before about Immortal Hulk being sneakily Marvel's best book, uh, Mm -hmm. possibly, but this is definitely DC's sneakily best book. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I'm sad to see it coming to an end, but you know, this book, if it already didn't before, it has made me a Mark Russell fan for life. The comic book writer, not the <laughs> old guy who sings political songs in PBS. Yes, your your second favorite, Mark Russell. Two completely different people. <laughs> right. Looking at your list, is yours also Wonder Twins number 12? It is Wonder Twins number 12. Booyah. Because I was going to say Batman 89, but you have to get that in a plain brown wrapper at the comic shop right now. That's what I hear. Because, boy, the people are coming out of the woodwork for that punchline, Joe. Uh-huh. The uh, the hit film starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan from the mid-80s? Yep, this is the comic adaptation by Tinian. Oh, it took a little while to come out, but... Hey, huh? it's on. It's part of those late books. It's Inferior 5 oh. and the, the, Ra- or the, the Raimi books or, or the Abrams books, you know? Put it Brian on your Azzarello list. Brian has some scathing remarks about this in his latest email newsletter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but super excited for uh, Wonder Twins. Sad it's coming to an end, but like I said, I'll be keeping an eye more out for whatever Mark Russell is up to in the future. Hopefully it's more Wonder Twins. Right. I think they're going to they're going to be part of the Ju- Young Justice, too, so that should be interesting. But obviously that'll be uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Well, who knows? Maybe Mark Russell will take over for a while, too. One can only hope. So, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have uh, done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. You can also check out our store where you can purchase shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancy logos on shirts and any sort of other apparel, whether it be stuff inspired by this show, stuff inspired by the soon-to-be-named network, or inspired by Ad Odds with Wrestling, you can check out our T Public store for even more stuff. Hey, if you want to help us out even more, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get not one but two bonus shows. Those being Babbling Brooks, which is Todd and I talking the ovure of film legend Mel Brooks and previewing the past, where Todd and I look at the issue of previews, the comic book ordering catalog 30 years ago this month. $5 and up, folks, get those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else, and they get After Dark two days and change before everyone else does. So there are benefits there to upping your pledge, but we do thank anyone and everyone. We've had a bunch of new people sign up for the Patreon over the last couple of weeks, and we do thank you immensely, whether you're a dollar person, whether you're a $5 person, or whether you're the person that is eventually going to pay the $44 to have the Rob record an intro <laughs> For the Rob Watch itself. Oh, my goodness. Imagine oh my... if Adam do that. Have him sing the song. <laughs> S- sorry, Shoesy, but if we can get Rob to sing the song, you are out of here. Oh, boy. Well, uh, David Shoesy will have to, uh, I think he'll have to edit it and sweeten it up a little bit. I don't think, uh, I'm going to guess the Rob Wait. maybe just sing like an angel. Are you saying the man who does that beautiful art can't sing Pitch Perfect? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to get blocked, son. I'm not. You, don't snitch tag him that I said this. You oh, know? I'm going to be like, that's Joe's supposed to. You can't sing, Rob. Oh, my goodness. 
So uh, you could also, for no extra cost or anything extra out of your 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 pocketbook, your 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 billfold, your fanny pack, wherever it is that you keep your internet money, you could make any of your other purchases with your internet money through the Amazon banner across the top of our homepage. Longboxheroes.com does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. And luckily for us here at Longbox Heroes, telling you about this brand new site called Amazon, where you could purchase pretty much anything in the world from. And we get a little bit of kickback because, you know, we connected you guys together. That is. They true. call it a finder's fee, advertising fee, something like that. Right. I like when I find it in my bank account. There you go. <laughs> Some of the notable purchases through the uh, Amazon click-through this past week is somebody purchased packages of Cottonelle Fresh Care Flushable Wipes. Ooh, for wiping. I was on that train a while uh, for a while, but the wipes, the wipes that I purchased would always dry out before I got a chance to implement them to their fullest extent. Mm, now they're flushable sandpaper. Yes. Uh, somebody also purchased something called a, it's a hundred piece set of Picasso tiles. It's like this, uh, new funky building block thing. Right. Uh, looked pretty neat. And, uh, somebody also purchased five, count them, one, two, three, four, five, uh, BCW diversified short comic storage boxes. Oh, for a second there, I thought BCW was a new, like, stupid wrestling thing. But, okay, that's I know what you're talking about. Well, I did get the uh, the notification while we were recording here, Todd, that uh, you do have to circle that date in May because the fancy gentleman is going on his jet-setting adventure. So, mm, I can only imagine. will be my co-host that week in May for uh, Ad Odds with Wrestling. You sure you don't want to call around? No, I found my, I found my co-host. He's right here. Oh, oh! Thank good. Oh. <laughs> so, hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. From uh, Jesse DeYoung, he sent in. He said, "I thought I would never own an original J. Scott Campbell, but I was able to procure these preliminary sketches for the Captain Marvel variant. Some are pretty detailed. I'm awed by it, and that is something with somebody who's hard to get or um, is expensive." A, you know, uh, roughs or preliminaries is a good way to go. But that second one of Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel is fan- is is very detailed. That's almost like a quick sketch at a con. So, like, good good to you, sir, because that's some good stuff. And, you know, and you could even make the argument that something like this is even, like, a little bit more cool than, you know, just having a cover or a page or something like that because you're seeing the artist's process come to life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stages, ideas that he, he thought and then they don't work or they don't work for him. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to go this way. You know what I mean? So a lot of these were a lot of preliminaries are like, you know, tryouts. And I think that's always cool to see what ways they go because I know I've seen like, like in portfolios, like from uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, like he'll have like five, like, you know, here's like my thing and then send them off to the editor, like just, just quick preliminaries. And they're like, no, we're going to go with that one. And then he'll go and on another piece, do a finished piece. And that's probably what J Scott Campbell does. And like I said, I really like that second one, man. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even a J Scott Campbell guy, but that looks really sweet. 
I get you, but like I said, I think that's just a really cool piece to see the artist's work and process, like, kind of laid out there. And, you know, maybe uh, if you're, you know, you're a fan of his work and you maybe see a design element that he toyed with here and used somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said, I just think it's a cool piece. So, uh, Jesse, thank you very much for uh, sharing that one with us. That's a really cool one. And I think that's it before we get into TV talk, eh? Yep. Okay, so everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, episode uh, Longbox Heroes 490 in the books. Good gravy, I tell you. Oh, we're going to have to start figuring stuff out. We only have 10 more weeks, Joe. Well, 11 more weeks because, you know. Oh, that's right. 501s. <laughs> So uh, if you didn't see or don't want to have them spoiled, we're always going to be a week behind on uh, Legend of Tomorrow and The Flash and, you know, a couple days behind on Doctor Who if we watch it. So uh, <laughs> we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all here next week. And then uh, we'll get into some TV talk here in just a second. So uh, where would you like to begin? I don't know, because I don't know what you watched, Joe. I watched everything. All right. Want to start with The Flash? Let's start with The Flash, since that's the oldest, right? Right. Okay. So, we're still dealing with the fallout of all of these characters merging together with all the different Earths, and people having new powers, and people coming back after they thought they were maybe in jail, or dead, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But... But more importantly, I would say, because, uh, like, the, the B story is kind of lame. Like, Cisco's not even in this episode, right? Like, ra- it's, like we're back on the whole thing of, you know, we only get two-thirds of Team Flash for each of these episodes, right? Well, if you remember last ep- the episode before this, he left Wells in his place because he's going to go out and, and study the world to see what else has changed. So Cisco's not going to be around for a while. Huh. I don't know if you remember that, because I know you don't watch these shows. I do watch these shows, but that one, I'm not remembering him saying that. But. Right. He goes, I'm heading out, and he goes, and you'll be the Wells. So, And Wells sticks around. But anyway. Anywho. Um, so, were we, as viewers of the show, and I'll, I'll kind of get into like the main crux of this, that we're seeing um, uh, Amunet and Goldface kind of battle? Yeah. Okay. Were we not supposed to realize as watchers of the show from the onset that that was not really Iris? We, I think we were supposed to, the way it was, we were supposed to think it wasn't Iris. And then they would go along and then like, she does her speech where he's like, I've changed since crisis because of like, I think I was going to lose you. So yeah, I'm not the same person. And then Barry goes, Oh my God. Yeah, I know you are the same person. And we're like, Oh, we were wrong the whole time. And then the whole thing where Iris is stuck in the mirror, like, that's not really me. It was like the double swerve. So it was really weird because you come back around to where we were originally. I'm like, that's not Iris. So, I don't know, is that what you were kind of asking? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. So, I knew from the onset that it wasn't Iris. Mm-hmm. And even when she gave the speech, I'm like, that's not Iris. And then, of course, we get the reveal at the end that real Iris is trapped in the mirror world. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know because like I think that I didn't like it. No, I see if that's the way it is. Unless Iris is exactly the way the mirror person version is, then it's stupid because we just had, and they even say in this episode, they go, like, we've had multiple times recently where Iris knew you so well that she knew that blood work had possessed you, but you were still in there. And she knew this and she knew that when this happened. And now they're going to say that this mirror person fools Barry. It's not a two-way street. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, oh, that you know me so well, and then it's like, no, I was completely wrong. You were yeah. really, you know, possessed by an evil mirror person. So I, I don't know what way they're going unless the mirror person that's possessing Iris or do, the doppelganger isn't evil. I don't know. This has to play out before I, f- I make my final decision. Mm-hmm. I, I'm for it. I'm okay. But... I was just, like, confused as whether or not they were trying to convince us, the viewer, that this wasn't Iris, when it very clearly wasn't Iris. Right. And I missed, and by missed, I mean, hmm, I'm not sure how I feel about that, uh, Katie Sackhoff here as Amunet. Oh, she's fantastic. She was, she was slight, she was chewing the scenery like it was made of ham, because, oh boy. Was she over the top in this episode? And I'm down for it. It just felt more, it felt out of place in an episode of The Flash. It felt like it should have been something more in an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Her calling his outfit the onesie. And then she did a couple of puns that were legendary. Just the way that she was face acting and <sighs> mouth delivering every line with like this weird over enunciation. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you are like, if Snidely Whiplash was a lady, it'd be you. Right. And then she's with Goldface and they're fighting and they're like, they're locked up with the chain and they're just getting closer. And they're like, there's only one thing I've always hated about you. You breathe. And it's just going back and forth. And then the, the, the plant makes them be able to read each other's mind. And they just keep cutting back and forth to those face shots of the two of them. And they're hearing the thoughts. I was crying. And then basically when you can hear, like, basically, like, Iris and Barry are watching them, and you can just basically hear, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm mortified there. I was crying. I'm like, the percentage of the Legends of Tomorrow feel in each episode of Flash since Crisis has been has been upped. And I'm waiting until we just get, like, they just give in, and they're like, they're having more fun over on that show. Let's do that over here, because it's getting there. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And the one thing that kind of took me by surprise was because there was a whole subplot with uh, Allegra and Killer Frost, or just Frost now, I'm sorry. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give her a heel name. But she she's trying to help Allegra get a guy or whatever because it was Valentine's Day. And we find out that maybe Wells, the, the Indiana Jones Wells, had a da- might have had a daughter that looked like that because they're they're hinting that he had a daughter or whatever. I don't know what's going on there. But then while he's walking away from the mall in jitters, he ends up seeing another Wells for a second right. and then disappears. Literally, of all that whole episode, other than uh, Katie Sackoff, that moment I'm like, what's going on with this? And I finally realize I can finally stop saying 
how could Wells walk around with a murderer's face? Because crisis changed everything. A yep. wizard did it. I get to finally get off that Joe nitpick that I have and move on. Well, and, you know, until they uncrisis the crisis and everyone knows that he's a horrible murderer. Right. Or looks like a horrible murderer. Yes. A, ho- a horrible murderer? Okay. But anyway. I like the episode. I did too. Um, like I said, the, the, the A plot, I think, was strong enough. The cliffhanger at the end was good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really care about the B plot all that much, but I, I thought it was a fun episode. Right. Speaking of fun episodes, Legends of Tomorrow is a good show. We don't need to really say anything else outside of that. Right. But, but we could. Um, the, the, this episode, A plot of Legends of Tomorrow was... A horror movie. And, like, they really went on the nose with it, like, naming the main protagonist Freddie Myers. Like, they could have called him Jason Kruger, but it would have been like, oh, that's too close. Think of something like Pootie, but better. Freddie Myers. And he has the horror movie origin, but, like, we don't get that. We get, like, all the legend twists on it as well. Like, who knew up until this point that Ava did a podcast that was true crime? Because of course she does. Oh my God. And then the, she was like, what don't you like get, check your emails. And they're like, yeah. And then there's Nate with the thing in his ear, like going, of course. And he's doing the facts as she's, she's like, you get it. And I was like crying. And then on, the only reason I know this gag is because I know you when he's walking in a way and he goes, Gideon, order me a mattress using the, the code laceration. <laughs> I was like, the only thing better was if he had used stamps.com or something. <laughs> the, and the only way I know this is you tell me all the stupid reads. So, But so we get Ava getting her thing. Uh, we get Mick, of course, went to school with Freddie, and <laughs> Mick is reunited with his old high school girlfriend that he ditched mm-hmm. when he got sent to juvie and he broke out and then just, like, ditched her again. Right. <sighs> and then the whole thing, what do they call them now? They they call them encores. They yep. don't call them repeaters. I like the name encores. Uh, I like Mick actually showing some compassion for the old high school sweetheart. And, like, getting upset when Freddy, quote-unquote, kills her, and then it's revealed to be the mother, which is such a great, like, horror movie cliche reveal. It's oh. Friday the 13th, man. Like, I love, like, and, and listen, there's stuff in the B-plot with John going on, and, like, uh, sure, that's fine, whatever. The A-plot was some of the best stuff. It sang to me, Todd. You know, oh. unless they do another wrestling episode and it's not Lucha Libre, it's like sports entertainment. We're like, oh, we have to go to the hotel in 1989 and hide <laughs> the Spectrox so that Vince and Hulk don't rewrite No Holds Barred or something. Or like oh. tiny Zeus Lister is an actual murderer. Oh. And have to stop him from killing Vince and Hulk. You know, right. somebody I hope is writing this down and sending this to like, Telling, like, I said, don't snitch tag me to Rob Liefeld. Please snitch tag me in the Legends Writer Room Twitter account that I have this great idea to get Hulk Hogan and McMahon on their show. What I'm hoping for, they also do. The only thing that would be better is if they if they cross over or go to a uh, a British time travel show. 
and they just start like that's not real you know what i mean like that's what i want i want well, professor i don't know how time travel works where you come from <laughs> exactly just because if you get your if you get your rest and i almost curse you almost some ad editing there if you get your crappy wrestling legends of tomorrow i want my doctor who legends of tomorrow because i could write a whole bunch of gags for that too uh, but I, I have to admit, I, I even I, I'm not the horror fan that you're going. I'm like, we have the, we have the movie The Shocker. He was killed in the electric chair, then came back, even though not the same way. We have, you know, like you said, Halloween. We had the big mask, but it looked kind of like the Saw mask. Then it was the mother, like Friday the Thirteenth. I'm like, oh my god, this has everything. Like like they they threw everything at the wall and it worked. I was crying. So I, yeah, I want to see more. I, this this season has been the best so far. Like this after crisis, I've been having so much fun. Needs more wigs though, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Who this week? Yeah, what did you think? Uh the first half was really boring and sucked. What? It was really creepy. The house was changing, and there was. Ghosts? And no, stuff? no, no. The 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 Victorian era people talking, and then the Doctor and her friend showing up, and them dancing and talking about gossiping, mm. and you know, it, and I always forget, man, that these these BBC shows don't they're like an hour long, but they're not like the forty four minutes without no, commercials like right. our shows are, you know. But like the first like fifteen minutes of this was like. Okay. Oh, when oh boy, this is going to be one of those episodes where like nothing happens, right? Mm-hmm. But then a, a, a half-completed Cyberman shows up. The one that Merlin warned us about. <laughs> oh my god. Yep, Captain Jack, yes. Um, I love the design on the half-completed uh, Cyberman. Right. Um, I think this might be the first time I've seen a Cyberman do its thing. I believe so. I don't know if you ever saw a Cyberman episode. Yeah, and the stuff that you had given me, I don't think... I've seen a bunch of Daleks, but I didn't see no Cyberman, and they did a good job of explaining what a Cyberman is to a dope like me who's never seen a Cyberman. That's interesting. Because you know, Joe, to be the Cyberman, you have to beat the Cyberman. (laughs) I was going to woo for you there. (laughs) Yeah. But, Uh, but, like I said, the first half, and I I understand why it's there, establishing stuff, establishing the setting, establishing... uh, the quicksilver or whatever it is that goes into the guy's thing that's down in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor taking it and all that sort of stuff. And her saying, I'm going to go off on my my alone to do this. And the rest of the companions, the friends saying, no, we're coming with you. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's a little bit because she had just, before she regenerated into this version, she had just loved the belo- lost the beloved companion Bill Potts to being transformed into a Cyberman. So she like, was like, like, I just lost somebody. You're not coming with me. You know what I mean? They end up following. So, yeah. But, 
Uh, like I said, I, I know what you're saying about the first 15 minutes. I look at that as Doctor Who in the past has been used as a history lesson. So they were giving you a bit of Lord Byron and Mary Shelley who created Frankenstein, blah, blah, blah. I, lo- I, I, I get what you're saying, but I did love all the stuff between Lord Byron and the doctor because he was totally macking on her and he, she was having none of it because she, that's really not her stuff. The doctor's really not that style anyway. And I was actually mad when the, when the valet died, cause he was the best because everything that was going on when he was around, it summed up exactly what we were supposed to like. They're partying and they're drinking and they're, they're gallivanting and he's just rolling his eyes at everything and anytime they do something he's just like he's like kiff from futurama with the zap he's just like oh and i was like okay that's really cool but then he ends up dying but uh like all around i really really like this episode and something that uh popped out and she mentioned is and i think it's going to be a a plot through the, the the plot line is remember in the first episode when they went back in time during the James Bond episode and they met that woman Ava who was at the beginning of computers and she saw the potential in this like weird machine that they were perfecting yeah yeah uh, that's Lord Byron's daughter in real life uh-huh. like so she's like we we met her his daughter on our first adventure this season she doesn't say it that way but I'm like okay and then there's this whole follow through with that spy fall version where it's like computers taking over humans for data storage. And then this is the, the last Cyberman wants the collective of knowledge in this uh, liquid metal. That's all their information, which I think now I'm seeing the overarching like thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't understand it all, but I see kind of it's connected now you know what i mean so hopefully it'll all come together at the end and now i think there's the two-part uh season finale is all that's left I, but it's over two two weeks i guess right so like i said this one started out weak but the the other stuff was so strong i really enjoyed this episode good i'm glad yeah uh so yeah i watched everything this week and there's only two more episodes of uh doctor who left what am i gonna do Oh, and then we'll probably go into who knows. There'll probably be something pop up. Mm-hmm. I know you're not watching uh, Walking Dead anymore because that comes back. No, I ain't doing that. Right. So you XFL? Maybe I don't know. No, maybe something new. We'll see. We'll see when Doctor Who ends. If right. There's something new. Maybe we'll take a little break or on because we'll we'll have Legends and Flash for a while. Uh, I don't know where we're at on that. I don't even know. When, I just want to jump back to Flash for a second because with the whole crisis thing, we had Bloodwork as the villain of the first half. I have no idea what the overarc of the second half of the Flash season is. I have none. We haven't had like a, a reoccurring villain. All it seems to be is that black hole group and a Mirror Master, but I'm not sure if they're the like the villain of the season. So I kind of like it for the first time in that way of not knowing like that I'm going to have this villain for 24 episodes that we have to figure out, but I'm done now. So looks like there's about five or six episodes left each of flash and, or legends of tomorrow, according to IMDb. Right. And then we'll figure out what we're doing. Maybe we'll take a little break and move into something else. Yeah, sure. Something who knows, mm-hmm. but uh TV was good this week. Comics were good this week. I like it. Yes, it was a good week all around. 
Yes, indeed. So, is there anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we're all good. All right. So, uh, thanks for listening. Episode 490, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.